0: El-Yahu used to come to visit Rav Anan till a particular Misa happened with Dayanus, and then El-Yahu stopped coming. The Gemara says Rav Yosef refrained from being a pal to Hashem during an ace tzara. He didn't want to bother him, similar to how Elisha handled a particular situation. When the main body of Rabbanim left Rav, there were 1,200 Talmidim. When they left Rav Huna, there were 800. When they left Rav Papa, there were 200. There were numerous people, the Gemara says, who took their schar from the Trumas Halishka. For example, people who corrected Sifrei Tireh in Yerushalayim and the women who weaved the pareichas. Also, the Beis Haftinus took their schar from the Trumas Halishka. The Beis Haftinus were the ones who knew the secret recipe. It was the family that had the secret recipe for the keteris in the Beis Hamikdash. There were 13 pareichasin in the Bayesheni, one in each of the seven gates of the Beis Hamikdash, one from the Pesach Hahecho one from the Pesach Ha'ulam, plus four more. The women who raised children from the purpose of preparing the Para Aduma were paid from the Trumas Halishka. These children were watched very, very carefully so as never to become tamate, never to become in contact with Tuma, so they would be capable of preparing the Para Aduma. The Trumas Halishka was the money collected from everyone's machsas Hashekel contribution used for counting of the population three times per year, money was taken from the big Lishka to fund the Trumus Halishka. Certain Kalim were also made with money from the Trumas Halishka. According to Rabbi Shmuel, it was okay for hektish to sell Meiser Paris at a profit in order to make some extra money. According to Rabbi Akiva, we never use money designated for hektish or for Anim to try to make money via using them for investment purposes. A man who went to Medinas Hayam. Rav says Bezdin takes Nechassim to give Mezaynas to his wife. According to Shmuel, they don't do this. If he goes to Medina Sayyam, and she wants Bezdin to be Tevea, some Mezaynas from his property, he can come back and say, Dacha Maiseyadecha b'Mzaynasachah Let you simply keep your Maiseyadayim and feed yourself. If it does end up that Bezdin does take property from him to pay for Mezaynas, the Mezaynas would only be for the wife, not for the children. The Gemara says, for a man that went overseas, if we're chayshish that he died, we can rely on a testimony of only one witness. We know normally we need two, we need two witnesses, but for the case of this, we're mekel, and we say one witness is enough to say that he died, because we say mishumi guna hikilu be We don't want her to be an aguna for the rest of her life. Therefore, we're mekel in this particular situation. A yavama cannot take a Yava or do chalitza until waiting at least three months after the death of the brother but she must receive mizainas from the estate during this time. The Yavim, by the way, is supposed to ask Bezan advice on whether he should do Yibim or Chalitza. The Gemara says if a Katana is married off by her mother or her brother, when she becomes a G'dayla, at that point she does Mian, if she does Mian, and she refuses to live with him, her husband is pater for mizainas and if the husband goes to Medina Hayam and she requests mizainas and then does Mian, she may have to pay it back in back payments to what she had gotten from the property. The halacha goes according to Rav, Rav Amarav, Rav Huna Amarav, and Rav Zvid, that Bezdin does give muzainas to his wife when he's in Medina's Hayam, that a woman can tell her husband, I don't want your muzainas, therefore I won't give up my maisi adayim, and although a klicheres cannot be kashered, but a glazed klicheres can be kashered for Pesach, if it was used for chametz during the rest of the year. Mishnah. If Stama person helped a woman support herself when her husband went to Medina's Hayam, Chanan says he loses his money. It's like Mavriyah Harim You save your friend's property from a lion, so you can't then come to him later on and say, You know, I saved your property, therefore I want you to pay me for it. The Ben Hanim say that he swears as to how much he gave her, and then they must pay him back. Tavkufchas, the Gemara. If Ruve makes a neder not to have any hana from his friend Shimon, he's still allowed to pay his Maxis hashekel, pay up his loan, or return a lost object to him. Maxis shekel is okay to pay since a shekel is a mitzvah, which the money is used for to pay for karbanists. And he can return an Aveda since there's a mitzvah of HaShavah's Aveda, so there's really no hanah that he's getting from Shimon. The Gemara cites a Mishnah, which says that if one makes a neder not to give Hana to his friend, he's still permitted to return his friend's lost object, his Aveda, as we just mentioned. The Gemara explains the reason that's okay is since returning an Aveda is a mitzvah, that it's not considered Hana, therefore its mutter. The Rishayim note that the Gemara in the Darem, Mem Gimel, implies that one who makes a neder not to give Hana to his friend is not allowed to give his friend tzedakah. The Rishayim ask, this is contradictory to our Gemara, which states that performance of a mitzvah is not considered Hana. Rabbeinu Yayna, brought in the Shita Mequbetzas, answers that there's a difference between the mitzvah of giving tzedakah and the mitzvah of Ashab Saveda. The mitzvah of tzedakah does not require him to give its tzedakah to the one whom he vowed not to benefit. He could fulfill this mitzvah by giving tzedakah to other poor people. Therefore, the fact that he decided to give this particular man tzedakah is considered a hanah. The mitzvah of returning lost property, avedah, can only be fulfilled by returning it to its owner. You can't do the mitzvah of Saveda by giving it back to somebody else. Therefore, it's not considered a hana. The rajba in the Dharam, gives a different explanation. He explains that when one returns lost property, he is merely giving the owner an item that always belonged to him. Therefore, when one receives a lost item, the only benefit he receives from the one who returned it is at the time of the return. That's where the benefit is. Afterwards, use, use of the item subsequently is not Hana from the one who returned it, because he's using the item that always belonged to him. The act of returning, however, is not considered Hana because it's a mitzvah, and therefore it's Mutter. When one gives staka, however... He gives the recipient an actual financial gain. The recipient's subsequent use of the tzataka is considered direct hana from the person who gave it to him. Therefore, although the act of giving tstaka is a mitzvah and is therefore not considered a hana, it's still forbidden to give tzataka because subsequent use later on, that's considered hana. Finally, the Gemara says if someone repaid someone else's loan, the favor does not have to be repaid. The Mishnah. We know Admain said seven things one who died leaving sons and daughters, the sons get the Yerusha, and the daughters get to get Muzinus from the Yerusha. But if the estate is limited in size, then the priority becomes to give the daughters Muzinus, and the sons, Nebuch, need to collect staka to support themselves, since it's not proper to make daughters go out and beg. So that becomes the priority, to take care of them first. So Admin asks, why should the sons lose out? So why, why are the daughters better than the sons? Rabbi Gamliel comes to argue with Admin. The halacha is like the Tanakama the Gemara. A man has more rights here in this case because he has a requirement to sit and learn Tyra. Of course, unless the case is a case where there's just enough for one person to get it, then of course it goes to the daughters because it would be embarrassing for them to have to collect stucca. The Mishnah. If Ruben tells Shimon that he, Shimon, owes him jars of oil, but Shimon says, I only owe you oil, in other words, he's made the according to Admain he must swear to chamim, his from Shavua, since this is not really Maidim a Mixtus. It's really two different things. It's jars and it's oil. That's two separate things. And you can't have Maidim a on two separate things. Rabbi Gamaliel says, We paskan like Admai. And the Gemara says, If a person claims Shaman, but not jars, then he's not considered Maidim a Because to the oil, he is fully maida but to the jars, he claims that he owes nothing. the Mishnah. If a man promised his prospective son in law a certain sum of money, and then he backed out of it, he just couldn't pay it. So the daughter should remain single until he comes and pays up. Admin said, why should she suffer? She didn't do anything wrong. It was her father that made the promise. So either he should marry her, or he should just back out of the marriage, decide one way or the other. Rabbi Gamliel says, I agree with Admine." And the Gemara says, Rabbi Yitzchak said that any time Rabbi, Rabbi Gamliel comes along and says he agrees with Admine, we paskin like that psaak says the two halakhas that Hanan said we pasken like, but the seven halakhas of Admin, we don't pasken like all of them. We only pasken like the first three, which been Gamliel agreed with. According to the Ramah, if a man was promised a dowry before marriage, to be received after marriage, if the father-in-law doesn't have the promised money and cannot pay it, then the chassan can back out of the marriage. But once the marriage takes place already, and then he can't pay it, then he's not allowed to back out anymore because once the chassan marries her, it implies that he was Meichel, the Nadunya, the Mishnah. One who claims a certain field is his, but he had also signed somewhere that the field belonged to someone else, according to Adman, he can still make a claim. But according to the Chum, he can't. Since once he signed a shtar but implies that it as a different owner, that's it. He can't be in both places at the same time. The Gemara. The only time he cannot claim on the shtar is if he signed the shtar as an aid but if he was a dying on the star, or he just testified on the signatures of the shtar, then he doesn't lose the right to claim the field for himself. If a person says, the field was originally someone else's, but now it's mine, according to Rashi, he can claim it's his, and will believe him, since we say pesha osar, hu pesha He was the one that first made the first claim, therefore he can come and make this claim also. The Rishaynon have a problem with this Rashi, since his new claim that it's his wasn't done to his original Revelation and Pesha pesha only works in that type of a situation where it was done Taikade Dibur. Sarvisha answered in this situation it was a case of Taekude Dibur. The Mishnah If someone went to Medina Sayam and he forgot the road that he owns that will take him to the field that he owns, Adman says we give him the shortest route. We give him a present of the shortest route. But according to Chachamim, he must buy a new path to get to his field, or he has to fly over all the other fields somehow to get to his field. And the Gemara says, the Mishnah is referring to a case where the four surrounding fields had been owned by four different people, and one person bought all of them up. Daf, Yud, the Mishnah. Ruvain produces a shtar and says that Shimon owes me money. And Shimon says, I owe you nothing. The shtar is either false, it's Mizuyev, or I paid you already. And in the interim, while all this was going on, Ruvain had sold Shimon a separate field. So Admin says, we believe Shimon. Since Shimon Kantina, if I really owned Ruvain money, why would Ruvain have sold me another field? The Chachamim say, we believe ruvain since he has the star. the Gemara. Shimon has a good taina according to Advayn, since if Shimon owed Ruvain money, Ruvain would have taken the money from the sale of the new field and not given Shimon this new field. He would have taken this payment for the old loan when she owned him. Therefore, it's a proof that this really did never happen, and really there is no owing of any money. This Machleik, as the Gemara says, is only if the shtar was written for the new field and then the money was given. But if the money was given first, I'll agree that Shimon has a good taina the Mishnah. If two people owe each other money of equal value, Admin says the two cancel each other out. Why bother making a transaction if you owe me $100 and I owe you $100 Then they both cancel each other out. The Chachamim say they actually have to go through the process of exchanging. I give you the bag of money, you give me your bag of money to pay each other back. And the Gemara says damages we know are always paid from Idis. Chavis are always paid from Beninus. Ksubis are always paid from Ziburis, the poorest quality. By a chayv. the question is, whose bainanis do we evaluate in terms of what kind of field to pay back? We know that a bal has to pay for bainanis. How do we determine what's called bainanis? What kind of bainanis do we actually go by? Rab Nachman says, we go by what the Laiva owns. So we take a bainanis a field, a typical field that the Laiva has, and that becomes the bainanis. Bishalai Hain shaman. We look at his fields and the value of what his bainanis is. Rav Sheche says, we don't look at his, but we look at typical fields in general. We say, bishol adan hein, bishol adan shaman. we look at the value of a typical bainanus, average field that people in general own, and that's the type of bainanus field he has to pay back. The Mishnah. Eretz Yisrael is divided into three parts, vis-a-vis marriage. Avery Yardin, Golil, and Yehuda. If you marry a woman in one region, you can't force her to move to another region. Within one region, however, you can force her to move from one town to another. The Gemara. You cannot force her to move from a Krakh, from a big city, to an ear, to a small city, since the big city has a lot of shopping versus the small city. It's better to be in a big city, so to push around into a small city, she won't have all the shopping and all the food that she needs to buy. In fact, you can't force a woman to move from a small town to a big town either, since we pass like Rabbi Yeisib Rabbi that a small city also has a lot of benefits, and the fact that a small city has a lot of space. Now she'll be moving to a big city where the cities are very crowded, and that's to her disadvantage. So basically what it comes out is a big city has some miles, and some and a small city of Samaylos and some chasrenis. Finally, we say that Shmuel says any change from any town to another is very difficult for a person to get used to, since the food changes, so a person will have stomach trouble. But we do say that poor people always have stomach trouble, since they never have enough to eat in the first place. The Mishnah. A person can compel his entire household to move to Eretz Yisrael he can also compel his whole family to move from Stama City in Eretz Yisrael to Yerushalayim. The ritva adds that this even applies l'achar hachurban, since there is still a concept of chibas Eretz Yisrael. But he only has the right to force them if he's going l'shma, to be mekayim the mitzvah of yesh of Eretz Yisrael. One caveat, however, if there's a sakana in going or being in Eretz Yisrael, the mishpacha then can refuse to go if they don't want to go. And the Mishnah continues, while he can force them all to go to Eretz Yisrael, he cannot force them to leave Eretz Yisrael. Also, not only can a man force his wife to move to Eretz Yisrael, but a wife can force her husband to move there if she wants to go there. And the Gemara says, You can force the family to move from Stamatown in Eretz Yisrael to Yerushalayim, even if you're going from a Nevei Yafa neveh to a Niveharah. HaRa. You're going from a nice country house to a small, not-so-nice house in Yerushalayim. The Gemara says if he wants to make a Leel Eretz Yisrael, and she refuses he can divorce her, and she'll be Tetzai belay Ksuba. But if she wants to go to Eretz Yisrael, and he doesn't, she can go to Eretz Yisrael, and she can also go and divorce him, but in that case, she does get her Ksuba. According to Rava, the halacha Ksuba is a halacha mida but according to Rabshim and Gamaliel, Ksuba is midaraisa. As we mentioned before, the Mishnah says that one can force his entire Mishpacha to move to Eretz Yisrael. Similarly, one already living in Eretz Yisrael can force his mishpacha to relocate to Yerushalayim. The Gemara cites a b'risa, which says that if a husband wishes to emigrate to Eretz Yisrael and the wife refuses to go along, she forfeits her k'suba. There is a discussion amongst the poskim as to the obligation to live in Eretz Yisrael, Yishav Eretz Yisrael. The Ramban enumerates living in Eretz Yisrael as a mitzvah derived from the Pasuk in Bamidbar, peraklamit gimel, pasuk nun gimel, by rashtem es ha'aretz you should inherit Eretz Israel and you should live in it. He says that all the great mylas extended to living in Eretz Israel. The Gemara states that he who lives in galus is compared to one who worships idols. That's all based on this particular mitzvah. assay in the Ramban, this indicates, says the Ramban, that this mitzvah is applicable for all times, even in times of galus, i.e., today. Teisvus, however, says that in our times this halacha is not applicable for two reasons. Number one, the dangers of traveling. To Eretz Yisrael, Turachim. Therefore, there is no chiyuv today to move to Eretz Yisrael. Rabbi says says that nowadays there is no mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael because living in Eretz Yisrael dictates certain mitzvahs and restrictions which cannot which cannot be kept properly today. Rav Moshe Feinstein Zecher Tzadik LeRacha explains that most paiskim are of the opinion that living in Eretz Yisrael today is a mitzvah. However, this mitzvah is not a chiyuv, as for example, the mitzvah of tzitzas. In regard to tzitzis. It's also to wear a four-cornered baget without the tzitzes so as not to transgress the mitzvah of tzitzes. In regard to the mitzvah of Yishav Yisrael, however, although one fulfills a mitzvah by living there, one does not transgress a lav if he lives in the Chutzla laaretz. The only prohibition we do find in regard for people who already dwell in Eretz Yisrael, the Rabbanon, based on the mitzvah of Yishav Yisrael, prohibited one who lives there from leaving, except for circumstances where he's permitted to leave. In closing, Rav says, since this mitzvah is not a chiyuvis, not a mitzvah chiyuvus, an obligatory mitzvah, rather one that gets a mitzvah if he fulfills it, one should consider the likely problems that Rabbeinu Chaim raises and should not relocate unless he can properly fulfill the mitzvahs that are applicable in Eretz Yisrael. There's another important consideration one has to bear in mind before emigrating to Eretz Yisrael. The Pischei Tshuva cites in the Sefer Me'il Tzedakah, one says, who says that uh, one who does not have an established source of income, enough to sustain himself and his family berevach, has no right to emigrate to Eretz Having no source of income can cause a person, Rachmanelitzlan, to stray from the right path. It's customary, says the Yild Stuka, not to emigrate while one has young children. This is due to the difficulty of providing proper financial support, which can have a very negative effect on young children. Furthermore, adds the Yild Tzedek, a person who goes to Eretz and will therefore have to rely on Tzedek for his sustenance, while had he remained in Chutlarz, he would have had wherewithal to support himself, is also not doing the proper thing by emigrating. Along these lines, Chazal tell us in regard to the mitzvah of Einig Labrius." It's better for one to forgo even his basic Shabbos needs so as not have to rely on the help of others. Tanah Biartisrol. A person should always live in Eretz Yisrael even in a city in Eretz Yisrael, that's mostly Ga'im, But he shouldn't live in Chutzlaretz, even if he's Zeichet to live in a city that's Rove Jews. In other words, it's always better to live in Eretz Yisrael. Since anyone who lives in Eretz Yisrael, it's like he has HaKadosh Baruch Hu, i.e. he has connections with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because he's so close to him. But if one lives in Chutzlaretz, it's like being together with HaVayda Zara. And finally, Rabbi Yehuda said, anyone who is Ayla from Bavel to Eretz Yisrael, is over on an assay, since it wasn't the right time at that time to be Ayla. Daf Kuf there are three Shavuos, oaths, that are brought down in Shir Number one, that Jews shouldn't all go up together to Eretz Yisrael all at once as a wall. Number two, that they shouldn't rebel against all of the nations of the world. And number three, the nas- nations shouldn't put excessive pressure on Klal Yisrael. And then there were also three more Shavuos. Number one, that Aviyam should not reveal when the Kates will be. Number two, they shouldn't do too many Averis to push away the time of Mashiach, i.e. Klal Yisrael shouldn't. And number three, we shouldn't reveal the secrets of Taira to the Ga'im. Rabbi Lazar says anyone who lives in Eretz Yisrael is resting without sin. One who is buried there has a very big schus. It's as if he is buried underneath the Mizbeach. The same way it's Osr to leave Eretz Yisrael to Chutzlaritz, it's Osr to leave Bavil to go to other lands, due to the fact that the Taira existed in Bavil. But if one lives in Bavil, it's like living in Eretz Yisrael. Gemara says the mesim buried in Chutzlaritz will not become alive during Tchias Only those buried in Eretz Yisrael will become alive. Others say, even those in Chutzlaritz will be zeichet to the nace of Tchias HaMesim, but only via Gilgal. Their bones will first have to roll to Eretz Yisrael. There will be special tunnels from Chutzlaritz for the bones to roll on their way to Eretz Yisrael. It's for this reason that Yaakov of Vinu made Yosef promise that he would bury him in Eretz Yisrael, so his bones would not have to roll to Eretz Yisrael. Rashi over there in Chumash also brings out another reason that Yaakov Avinu wanted his bones to be moved to Eretz Yisrael so that the Mitzrayim should not worship him after he died and make him into an Abay The Pasuk V'ruach Halchimba, we learn about anyone who walks for Amos in Eretz Yisrael will be guaranteed to be a Ben Eilam Haba. The Gemara says too much sitting is bad for one's stomach therefore a person should spend one-third of his time sitting one-third of his time standing and one-third of his time walking. The ameiharets will not be zeichet to but if they help to support Talmud chachamim, they will be zeichet in tchias ha'meisim. Since the pasuk says kechem chayim Hayem. any person who marries off his daughter to a Talmud chacham or helps a Talmud chacham invest his money so he'll have money to be able to sit and learn Torah, or if he helps support Talmud chachamim, it's like he's medaveik bishrina and he'll also be zeichet in tchias ha'meisim says In the future, Talmud Chachamim will be able to stand up with their actual clothing, and Eretz will give out tremendous abundance of food and fruits. In the time of Mashiach, there won't be a grapevine that won't be so abundant that it will need a whole city to prune it. Rabbi Echanan says a person who shows the white of his teeth by way of a smile, i.e. he smiles and he's happy, therefore you can see the whites of his teeth, that's more of a chesed that he is doing than if he gives another person white milk. And finally, the Gemara says Eretz Yisrael is so abundant with good things that it's an Eretz Zavas, Cholav, Udavash. The peaches of Eretz Yisrael were so big that Rav Chelboy was able to share just one of them with many people and animals. The rackiest part of Eretz Yisrael, the Gemara says, is Chevron. That's where they buried all the dead people. And even though it was the least fertile part of Eretz Yisrael, it still produced fruits that were seven times as much as any area of Chutz in fact, all the land in Eretz Yisrael is fertile, very, very much fertile, as we see from Beresh's, He found 100-fold what was planted. A little bit of trivia, the name of the neighborhood of Yerushalayim, Mea Sha'arim, comes from this Pesach. In the year, I think it was 1882 or something like that, when they, they dedicated the little village outside of the old city of Jerusalem, and they made this new neighborhood called Mea Sha'arim, which the Shabbos of Parshas told us, and therefore, based on this pasuk of the abundance of, of, of what Yitzchak had planted, the words Mea Sha'arim, the neighborhood was named Mea Sha'arim. The Gemara says Eretz Yisrael is like a tzvi, a deer, which moves very fast, therefore Eretz Yisrael produces very quickly. It is also fatter than milk, and sweeter than honey. Reb was very hasty to get to Eretz Yisrael, since he was afraid that maybe he would not be Zecha to enter Eretz Yisrael, like Moshe and Aaron were not Zeichah. Rab Abba used to kiss the stones of Akko. Rab Hanina would fix the roads of Eretz Yisrael. used to roll in the dust. All of these actions were out of Ahavas Eretz Yisrael, and to show people what the chashivas of Eretz Yisrael was. Rabbi Yirmiyabar Abba said, The generation that Ben David will come, i.e. Zman of Mashiach, there will be persecutions and prosecutions of Talmidei Chachamim. Nine Chalakim of them will be lost, and only one-tenth will be left. There will be many hard times during that period. And finally, the Masakta ends with a memra from Remchia Barashi Amarav that in the future, all the peris of Eretz Yisrael will bear fruit, as we see from the Pesach in Yael, ki eats nosa periye te'ina vegethen nosnu chelo. Even the wild trees will bear fruit, and they will be able to yield their strength. The Marsha explains that these trees, when this happens, this will be a simon that Mashiach is coming. We see here that the Gemara concludes this Mesechta with a statement concerning the miracles that will occur in the Yamais HaMashiach, the Messianic era. The Gemara says that at that time all barren trees in Eretz Yisrael will produce fruit. Teisvis comments that this statement seems to be out of place, as the Gemara immediately preceding it is not discussing the miracles of Yamais HaMashiach. Teisvis explains that it was placed here, however, in order to end the Mesechta on a positive note the Ben Yehoyada explains a deeper meaning of the Gemara's apparently simple statement. He says that Jews who are ignorant of the Torah are compared to barren trees. A Talmud Chacham, however, is compared to a fruit-bearing tree. Thus, the Gemara's statement that in the Yemais HaMashiach, barren trees will produce fruit, should be taken metaphorically, to mean that there will be no more ignorance then, as everyone, including the ignorant, will be thoroughly versed in Torah. According to the Ben Yehoiada's interpretation, we can perhaps explain the connection this statement has with the statements preceding it. Immediately prior to this statement, the Gemara discusses the tribulations that Torah scholars will undergo in the generation preceding the Yomais HaMashiach. With this statement, the Gemara shows the contrast between the harsh period and the glorious era of Yomais HaMashiach. In the era of Yomais HaMashiach, not only will Torah scholars, Talmud HaChachamim, be able to pursue their studies unhindered but even ignorant people, will blossom into full-fledged Torah scholars. hadron Allah Masechda Ksubis will close this Masechda by saying that we should all be Zeicha to the Biyaz Gayot Tzedek vimhera